Unarmored Talk Podcast, episode 28, Rejected from West Point, The Impact. With today's guest, Colonel Quentin Jones, United States Marine Corps. And please remember to subscribe to my YouTube channel at Mario P. Fields YouTube to watch this episode and previous episodes. And don't forget to leave a rating and review on the Unarmored Talk page on Apple Podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Unarmored Talk Podcast, where we will have real life conversations that helps you develop an accurate way of thinking. And the way we're going to do this is by gaining a better understanding of how feelings, emotions and thoughts can influence the outcome of a personal or professional challenge. I'm your host, Mario P. Fields, and today's guest is Colonel Quentin Jones, active duty United States Marine Corps Fulberg Colonel. And I can't tell you where he's stationed at. I think it's top secret. I'll let him see if he wants to unclassify that location. Colonel, Happy New Year. Welcome to the show. Happy New Year. Sorry, Major. How's it going? <laughs> you can call me Mario, but everything is going great. You're always my side major. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I always have that issue with the other guests, so I'm fine with that. But uh, hey, tell the, tell the viewers a little bit and listeners a little bit about yourself, Colonel. Hey, so, you know, Mario introduced me as uh, Colonel Quentin Jones. So I'm just a small town boy from Memphis, Tennessee, uh, who was raised by a, a, a family environment. You know, they talk a lot about it takes a village to raise, raise a kid. And, and truly, it, it definitely took a village to raise my knucklehead uh, coming out of Memphis. And so I was, I was blessed enough to uh, be raised by a phenomenal family. Um, I went on to do do some great things. Uh, I'm lucky to be married to uh, one of the most patient women in the world, um, my wife Valentina. She's she's born and raised here in Naples, Italy, where we're currently stationed. Uh, so we're able to get her back to her family uh, for a short period of time. But she has the the patience of uh, of Mary to be married to me. Uh, she's a, one of the most beautiful women I in the world that I know. And uh, she took pity on me and married me and then blessed me with two beautiful kids, uh, a son who's 13, uh, Mateo, and a beautiful daughter who's 11, Maya. And so we're, we're here enjoying our time in Italy. I work over at uh, Six Fleet and the N35, and I'm also the uh, 2F LNO out here to, to forward some of their initiatives. So that's me in a nutshell. I've been in the Marine Corps for probably uh, 22 odd years infantry officer by trade uh, and just have been having a good time so there you go that's who I am I, I like I like how you put a you know you, you out of your less than two minutes about 98 percent of that was on your wife so I'm I, hopefully she watches this episode and so your bonus points right your love rewards uh, can be increased in the family you know what I mean <laughs> Right. We're always trying to put money in the bank, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And again, we're blessed to have you on the show, Colonel. I know you're busy, but you know how we do it on Unarmored Talk. You got to remove your armor. And I appreciate you doing that. Let's jump right into the topic. So here it is. 1992, I want to say you're graduating high school, ready to go out and tackle the world, if you will. I use that cliche. And um, so you go to West Point and you don't get accepted. Well, you go to West Point Prep School and uh, and you realize that you're not good enough to get accepted to West Point. Now you find yourself on your way back home to what, Memphis? That's right. That's talk, right. Talk, talk to us about that 
unexpected challenge. I mean, you put it pretty bad. You, it was just like a failure. <laughs> so, you know, there, there was 1992. I graduated from high school at White Station High School, one of the, uh, at the time, the best high school in Memphis still is. Uh, and a lot of my friends, uh, they were going off to, to Harvard, Princeton, yeah. to Yale, Georgetown, just, you know, phenomenal schools, staying home at the University of Memphis uh, as well. And so for me, getting accepted into West Point Prep, for me and my family, it was, you know, the ultimate thing to do, uh, to go off and serve the country. And so I embarked uh, going out to West Point Prep in Earl, New Jersey, a very demanding time uh, as a, a young African-American leaving home, right. not knowing really much about the military, uh, so I'm thrust into this environment, uh, a military environment on top of academics. And uh, I was there the entire year, grades were average. Um, and at the end of the, the year, you know, people at, at West Point Prep, they get attrited throughout the year. Okay. So as you're not making the mark, they send you home. No harm, no foul, you go home. Right. Or you just drop out. And so I stayed there the entire year. Uh, when all the appointments were passed out and uh, I got caught short, I didn't get accepted. And so um, I quickly realized that I had to come up with a game plan uh, because I, I was about to be sent back home. Mm. Uh, I had to go face my family, my friends, my loved ones who had, you know, made a really big deal out of me going to West Point prep, right. eventually going to West Point and, and I didn't make it. And so uh, that was a very tough time for me going back home because, you know, been raised in a black family. Really, when you reach, you graduate from high school, that's it. You got to go. You got to get out of the house. And so I didn't really want to go back home and, and face my dad and be like, uh, well, he's going to be like, what you going to do? Because <laughs> you can't stay here, you know. But, you know, I had a very loving family. And right. as long as I was working and, and trying to, um, advance myself they they were okay and they they were loving they were gracious uh but still in the back of my mind i was i was a failure now, so i had to come up with a game plan yeah yeah now, now were you were you surprised when you did not get appointed was that a shock and and if not or if so talk to us like what what went through your mind and your emotions when you did not get appointed well you you know can I thought I was good enough to make the cut, right? Uh, but apparently I wasn't. And so, you know, my, my roommate uh, at the time he played basketball and, and he got accepted. He was prior enlisted. And so I, I looked up to him. Uh, uh, his name was Lamont. And so Lamont kind of showed me the ropes uh, while I was there. And so when I didn't get accepted and going back to the room uh, that afternoon, of course, I was, I was down, I was depressed, and uh, everyone else was, was obviously excited and happy. Right, right. everybody so, cheering, you're like. Oh, yeah, like, ain't nothing to cheer about. <laughs> so, you know, you, you kind of proverbially, you know, tuck your tail between your legs and you go back to your room and you figure out, man, I'm, I'm just a disappointment. Right. You know, I, I couldn't get it across the line. And so it was, it was definitely a significant emotional event for me. Um, you know, because it's like now you got to pack your bags and you're not going to West Point. You're going home. 
Right. And so that was, that was my first big failure in my, in my life. And, uh, and so it was very, very difficult to, to negotiate. Yeah. Wow. And then, and then, you know, now, so now you're, uh, I'm assuming, did you fly back home from, from New Jersey or was that a train ride? How did, how did you get back to Memphis? Wait, so it was a long car taxi ride to Earl, New Jersey. Wow. Uh, to, from Earl, New Jersey to the airport. And then I flew back home to, uh, to Memphis. Yeah. So here you are now flying back home, you know, right. And, and, and I think in a lot of families too, you just that pride thing when you're 18, you, you know, 18, 19, you're like, man, uh, you know, so, so you fly back home, you land, you're at home. Now what happens, you know, how, wh- what's going on now during this, this transition, this, this unknown time at home after you, you left West Point prep school. So I, my family, we, we kind of hold our emotions close. Um, we don't really show or express emotion. Um, and so I kind of dealt with it in my own, own way. Uh, you know, of course my mom talked to me, yeah. dad talked to me that, Hey, this is not the end of the world. You can, you can bounce back. Um, but you know, I take that. Okay. They're trying to give me a pep talk, but I really got to figure this thing out. Right. 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 In, in the midst of the depression and the, and feeling down about not succeeding, like my expectations of exceeding, right. um, because I was involved in everything in high school. So it was like, naturally this guy is going to succeed no matter what. And so I, I, you know, I, I dropped a whole bunch of applications and I talked to my guidance counselor up at West Point and he was, he was very uh, helpful. And he's like, Hey, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to get you to apply to Valley Forge Military Academy and see if we can get you in there. And then we're going to get you another shot at coming to West Point, you know, hold, hold the line, um, be faithful. Uh, and work hard this summer, stay in shape, and we'll see what happens. Right. And uh, so they gave me a little focus. You know, I went out and got a job, worked over at KFC, I believe. No, I went to work at TGI Fridays, you know. So that was, you know, I got to do something. I got to make some money, you know. Can't be sitting in the house. Yeah. So. And, you know, Colonel, work, real, fast, you, real fast, if I may, you mentioned something I think that that is very important for the viewers and listeners to hear us discuss and and you mentioned kind of the culture right in in your household was you kind of don't uh don't 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 show right don't show emotions you know you kind of internalize them and then go into your thought process do you think that's a good or bad i I don't like to use the word good or bad what's your thoughts on not um uh, showing right revealing your emotions not saying you you're, you're making a decision emotionally but showing your emotions and then thinking through what's your thoughts on not doing that. It's, it's a double-edged sword. Okay. Uh, right. And so professionally um, at times, not uh, displaying your emotions is a good thing. Um, right. Especially if you're in trying or you're in combat, you know, you, you want to be a solid uh, leader the Marines just say they see that nothing affects you. You're calm, cool, and collected under pressure. Uh, even though you may be shaking in your boots, it doesn't really matter. Uh, at other times when it comes to, to marriage, uh, it is definitely not a good thing, not to show emotions. Uh, and, and lucky again, I, I've been blessed to have a wife who refuses to let me 
uh, stay in my proverbial shell when it comes to to emotions. She may not agree, uh, but uh, she has definitely allowed me to to break out of that shell and expressing uh, how I feel and expressing emotions. You know, she she yeah. still tells me you you got a long way to go, but you're a little bit better today. Hey, what she say on a fit rep? You about to be, but we are gonna get you up to a G now. <laughs> She would say you an A. <laughs> you maybe unobserved. Right, right. right. Wait, but let's let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and extend your last report. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, and I like Carol. I like I like how you um, I like how you 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 articulated situations kind of dictate you know, your decision on how much emotions you should reveal to, to the person on the other end. And, and I think that's important to understand that we're all emotional beings, you know, right? Human beings, we're all emotional. But also you have to think through when is a good time to just go ahead and let all the tears out. And, may, and maybe this is not the right time uh, to, right. To, to show folks that, you know, that you, 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 your emotion, you know, your emotions of sadness is, is taking over your behavior. So, um, uh, no, thank, thanks for that. I think that's powerful. But, you know, so let's get right back into, you know, so here you are and you, you're working at uh, TGIF, you know, some great burgers there, by the way. And, uh, you know, you got your eyes open now, you're optimistic and you're moving forward. What, what, what does moving forward mean to Colonel Quentin Jones in about 1993 time frame? Yeah, so, again, I, I think I put in some work and I was eventually accepted into the Valley Forge Military Academy. Wow. And so that was that was up in uh, Pennsylvania. And so I ended up about four months later, uh, I took off and went to to Wayne, Pennsylvania um, and enrolled in Valley Forge Military Academy into their junior college. And the program that I enrolled in was a Army ROTC fast track two year commissioning program. Wow. But also it was a feeder school into West Point. And so my whole purpose uh, going there was to go to West Point. And then if that didn't work out, I would be ultimately commissioned in two years. Okay. Um, it's a very tough year. Uh, Valley Forge is a very unique institution. Uh, and so it has kids who are in elementary school all the way up to uh, juniors in college, all in the same wow. campus, all military. And there's some kids that have been there you know, for five, six years. Wow. And they're considered upper class in in elementary school. And so I had a rude work awakening uh, when I had a 10-year-old kid brace me up one day coming out of the chow hall. And uh, he was an upperclassman. So he was like, I had to say it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Why are you looking at me, please? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so, again, that, that teaches humility right. along the way uh, as you're trying to uh, reach your goals. Uh, so I stayed there the entire year. I was accepted into West Point as well as uh, Annapolis. And so I eventually made the tough decision um, to attend the U.S. Naval Academy as opposed to West Point. Uh, and it, it was a was a long thought out decision about why going to the Naval Academy as opposed to West Point. Right. Um, and the reason why I went to the Naval Academy uh, is because I felt the Army had opened a lot of doors for minority officers mm -hmm. uh, in the past. 
and the Naval Academy had not right. uh, when we got to the commissioning part of it. And so I felt like I could be a positive role model for uh, minorities as well as majority and, and show them that officers uh, can be of any ilk, uh, but particularly African-Americans and, and still lead uh, from the front. Um, and also I was a little bit bitter that West Point didn't accept me the first time. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to Annapolis. You know, that, that uh, is, that is, that is interesting how, you know, you start, you start off, you, you know, you, 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 you try to get into West Point, you don't make it, you go back home, you know, regroup. And then, and then you go to another Academy in, in Pennsylvania, you're right. Little army slice and not, not nothing bad about that. But, um, when you have 10 year old telling you that, uh, you need to shave, sir. <laughs> and, and, it, but but it, and then and then you and then you get accepted in, in, into West Point. You go no, I'll, I'll go Naval Academy. But the the key thing I want to highlight to the, to the listeners and viewers is that your your thought process for making that decision, right? You choosing to go to Naval Academy was not necessarily for you. It was for the next generation. And it's That's just right. amazing how your thoughtful decision not only impacted you but it's still impacting generations to come that are minorities and can look at someone like you and go, you know what? I can go to the Naval Academy, become a Marine Corps Colonel, you know, a Colonel United States Marine Corps, no matter what my color is, white, black, it doesn't matter. And particularly too, if I'm African-American, I can look at someone that looks kind of like me and if they did it, I can do it. I, I just want right. to highlight that. And I think that's commendable that you thought about the next generation of potential Marine Corps officers um, than, than, you know, just doing it for you. Yep. And, and, and that was, again, a long thought out uh, process uh, yeah. about why choosing Navy over uh, the Marine Corps. And when I was making that decision, I had the Army officers from Valley Forge, you know, who are all retired guys. They cornered me in the chow hall one day and they said, hey, uh, why do you want to go to the Navy? They're all a bunch of elitists, you know. You know, they don't even eat with their enlisted. You know, we're in, in the army. You do. It's all about um, the soldiers. Mm. And I said, yes, gentlemen, I can I can appreciate that. But that's the exact reason why I'm going. Right. Because they don't. And so I want to show them that, hey, we can do that. Right. You know, we don't have to be elitist. We can take care of our sailors. We can take care of our Marines. You know, we don't have to espouse to, to an elitist system. Right. Um, if that's what it is. And I want to break down those barriers um, in the Navy or the Marine Corps where I choose that, you know, there's not a lot of folks that look like me that are that are officers that are leading. Yeah. You know, and I can, you know, accurately speak to that. You know, I, as the fourth Marine Regiment Sergeant Major, I think I was able I was blessed to be able to work with about uh, 10 infantry battalion commanders uh, from first, second and third Marine divisions. And but you you were you're the only African American uh, battalion commander that I had the pleasure uh, to 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 witness and watch uh, leading and managing his his battalion. But I or, you know but I will tell you this is that uh, I've I personally have seen you uh, demonstrate by your leadership behavior that you can lead in a way that does not take away from your effectiveness um, and ability to inspire Marine sailors or anyone and still show you're compassionate, you care, you're human. And, and I watch you do that. So I appreciate you, you highlighting that and, and, and giving me the joy and pre pleasure to, to make memories of watching you do it. So I, mean, I salute you on that one. Oh, thanks, Sergeant Major.
Well, hey, you, you know, great interview. Great, great show. You gave me some. No, you can invoice me after this. But, uh, <laughs> you know, first so two things. One, how can people find you? Are you on LinkedIn? or how, If people wanted to find Colonel Quentin Jones and maybe pick your brain, you know, how could they find you? I'm on LinkedIn. So you can, uh, you know, search Quentin, Q-U-I-N-T-I-N uh, Jones, and you'll see my bald head pop up. And uh, you know you got me. <laughs> and, and any lessons, you know, as we reflect back on that 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 journey, right? Your personal and professional challenge. Any any lessons learned that you want to leave our listeners and viewers? I think the greatest lesson uh, is don't ever give up. No matter how bleak the situation looks, or if you think that you're supposed to do something, God may have had another plan for you all along. Uh, so the plan was never for me to go to West Point. It was always for me to become a Marine Corps Colonel. Uh, and so when you're in the thick of it, you obviously can't see that at the time. But he had a different path for me. Uh, he allowed me to uh, go through some things, uh, to kind of suffer a little bit, to understand and appreciate um, the gift that he had for me. And that was uh, being able to, to lead a tremendous amount of Marines and sailors that our nation has entrusted to us. I've met a, t uh, a ton of phenomenal people that I still call friends on this 23 year journey, friends from the academy, uh, friends from all over the world where I've deployed or lived uh, and, and served. And so uh, don't ever give up, just keep pressing uh, forward. And then when you do hit those those walls of adversity, mm -hmm. don't be afraid to to open up and and share those um, those struggles that you're having. You know, find a person that you can trust uh, and believe in that that you know that if you share that with that person, that it's going to stay in that steel trap. Uh, because you know, as as men in our profession, you, you need a sounding board. You need a person, a confidant that you can share things with, uh, because as as combat arms professionals, you're always on the clock 24-7. Uh, and so you don't get a chance to let your hair down. But when you need somebody to lean on, you, you got to have somebody to, to make it through. No, well, Colonel Jones, again, I appreciate you coming on Unarmored Talk. And, and ladies and gentlemen, if you want to listen to this episode, go to Apple Podcasts. That's under iTunes, of course. And uh, you can download, rate, and review. Uh, you can share, too. We always ask that you share with your friends and family. If you want to watch this episode, you can put in the search engine, Mario P. Field slash YouTube, and then subscribe and watch this episode. Always, again, leave us a review, rating, some comments. And uh, we don't get back to you as soon as you leave them. Within the next day or two, we will uh, get back to you. But until next time, everybody be safe out there, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Unarmored Talk podcast. Subscribe at www.unarmoredtalk.com to receive information on the release of upcoming episodes. Unarmored Talk podcast is sponsored by Global Inspirational Speakers, LLC, a inspirational speakers bureau that connects inspirational speakers to the world.